Your eyes are open, so never close them. You'll sail the ocean, finding where it should be. And if you're broken, you'll make your own thing. You'll make it something for all the world to see. What's up, guys? How's it going? Welcome back to the Bad Days podcast. Um, this is episode three. Today we have Isaiah Kendrick. Isaiah and I have known each other since we were, what, four years old, right? Something, Something like that. that. Several years gaps in between, uh, but went to preschool and stuff together. He's been one of my closest friends in the world, and I thought, who better uh, to be a guest this week than Isaiah? And um, Zay. Tell, tell the people just, just a little summary of who you are, your passions in life, just real general stuff real quick. Well, I am a history major at Alabama, and I like, uh, I like reading, I like writing, passionate about um, politics and you know, all that kind of stuff. P- political passions, man. Isn't that a fun time? Isn't it a fun time to be passionate about politics? It's been it's been the worst pretty much uh, since I've started caring. So yeah, that's that, that's the thing too. I didn't care up until it became <laughs> the worst thing that has ever happened to the world. Um, but you know, the the liberals are creating votes out of nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> the Democrats and their fake ballot scams. Honestly, you know what I think we should do at this point? Straight mm. up, give him Georgia, and give him Pennsylvania. Just give it to him. Just say, okay, you know what? These are your states now. He's not going to be satisfied, though. He's going to want more. He'll still, he'll still have <laughs> lost. That's the best part. That, like, the shit he's fighting for doesn't make any sense because he's still, he's still lost. Like, it doesn't even, it's not like a... People, he's going to do what he's doing right now. It's like move from one thing to another thing. He's not going to be satisfied he, regardless. He is, uh, he's citing, like, the Bush-Gore election, which was, like, an election off of, like, a couple thousand votes was the determining factor there, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and he's like, it happened before. Gore thought he won, and then Bush won. Well, if we're being real here, the you know not not to say anything to not conservative and stuff. They did the the butterfly ballot shit or whatever, the hanging Chad stuff to like yeah. cheat to win. But fair, they won by like barely any votes, by like nothing. But they won, so it's fair. You know, fuck Gore should not have announced victory. Obviously, he announced victory based on reasonable stuff. But I don't even know anything about Gore or Bush besides the fact that Bush boosted xenophobia for my people <laughs> quite a bit. Um, happens happens dude yeah dude first every time. every couple presidents <laughs> first time <laughs> like look look i'm just okay with the couple presidents that ended slavery dude it's pretty much just abraham lincoln and then hey, it's all downhill <laughs> abraham lincoln was a republican dude, they don't teach about that in schools do they, they huh? say that so much and it's like i don't want to know anything about real politics i like to <laughs> here's the thing that i'm interested in right it's the um it's the morality of the people running and voting and like how they're they're running things rather than the specific policies because I just don't think that I don't have a poli sci degree right I'm not I'm not informed enough and I I don't think 
by reading a couple Daily Mail articles and stuff like that, I'm ever going to be informed enough to to exist in the, that real political conversation. So you just talk about like the morality of the people. And, uh, you know, one of the things that they say that all the time, Republicans are the ones. Abraham Lincoln was Republican. You guys know the party switched, man. Y'all know this <laughs> happened. You can't just like, like, I'm not telling you to, to fucking deny your like, like good things conservatives done or anything. But like, don't just fucking lie. <laughs> don't lie about it. The best way to uh, to challenge this is ask how many clan members are voting Democrat right now. How many clan members voted for Obama? <laughs> Look, it's not that uh, all bad people are black. It's just that all black people are bad. <laughs> like, that's literally the kind of shit that you're saying right now. And uh, they got to be balanced, you know. It's beyond me. And it's also like, this isn't a, a split election where, well, Trump did win the popular vote. <laughs> he lost by popular like, what, 6 million votes, something like that? Yeah, it's, it's not even close. It's not but, like him know, and Hillary. Well, what man. they're doing is what they're saying is that if you count the votes that came in like only like during election day, then it's like then that's their case. They're trying to throw out every other. So um, I, I I've seen yeah. them making that argument, and like they, they specifically cite the they can't stop the votes that were mailed in, that were postmarked correctly. Right, that's the argument. Is that hey. This stuff was not postmarked the day of the election. You mailed it after because you knew we were still accepting it till Friday. That's illegal. But even if you give them all those votes, 5,000 votes, less less than that? There's, actually a, there's actually a whole Twitter thread um, like with a bunch of sources debunking the entire uh, Trump administration's claims about uh, you know, voter fraud. And the thing Fucking, is, we already knew he was going to do something like this because he's oh my been God, trying to talk, shed dude, out. I talked I literally talked about this on episode one of the Bad Days podcast. Where I was literally just <laughs> nice. like, dude, he, you guys are believing a conspiracy theory that he created. He was there. Like, were we not all there for the last six months where he just created the narrative of those mail-in ballots? He had no evidence to, to make those statements that mail-in ball ballots are fraudulent or have not worked or will cause corruption. But he said that so that he could then use that to further his own agenda, which he now has done. And, uh, dude, I just think that as a re like, like Republican people, stand strong for your beliefs, but he's not your president anymore, man. You can stop sucking him off. Truly. <laughs> like, guys, you need to fucking, like, this is your time to redeem yourself for supporting him for four years, right? And let the fucking crazy people, the Lindsey Grahams of the world and the Mike Pompeos, like, let them stand in their own realm by themselves supporting Trump blindly, whatever. And then for people with real conservative, like real Republicans that are, they're in politics for a force for positive change, whether it is your beliefs, my beliefs, their beliefs, they're in po politics for a force for change. Donald Trump isn't in that, man. It's like a power trip. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. And then you got fucking uh, Mike Pompeo, goddamn secretary of state, right? He's a secretary of state, isn't he? Something like that. Fuck, yeah. I don't even know. I did not pay attention to Trump's administration because I truly did not care. He was every week. There was a new this person from the Trump administration was fired because uh, he been, like slowly but surely has just been like chipping away at any confidence we could have in our government. Exactly. So that we don't expect, you know, Dude, we, we don't Pop believe that we can expect more. They said, Mike Pompeo, excuse me, when will you guys start helping uh, like creating proper transfer for Biden's administration? And he said, <laughs> um, frankly, there will, will be a transfer Trump. into a second Trump administration. Dude, you sound like Alex Jones. Why does he sound like Alex Jones? <laughs> when he's saying that, he literally sounds like the craziest man on the internet. Um, and, you know, I'm a lot more relaxed this time around than I was the last time I discussed politics, mainly because we fucking won, dude. <laughs> like, 
What's the, the the fucking so I maybe one of the best videos I saw of uh, the post election coverage was um, just some girl walking down the street in New York. She's just recording for her Snapchat story. She goes, "Why do I hear music? Are people cheering? Did Biden win?" She didn't find out from CNN or Fox or the AP or Twitter or anything. She found out because of the joy in the streets of New York City. I don't think that is that is the most American thing I've ever heard. Um, you know, think what you want about the policies and the politics. Donald Trump's just a bad guy. I think that this election was Donald Trump versus democracy, not 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 Republican versus Democrat. Whatever. It, it, it he has made it so clear, like everything he does. It's to push it's, for further it's kind fraud. Of frustrating because so many people continue to go along with everything he does and says. It's like, do, do they realize that he doesn't actually care about them? They like don't. He never, they don't. He didn't bring the, the manufacturing jobs back. He had a Republican House and Senate, I believe. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. No, not no, the no. House, no. He, had, he had Republican he had, Senate. Yeah, he had pushback from the Democrats on something. Whatever yeah. Nancy Pelosi's in charge. But he had so much more power and so much more time to do something than Obama had. There's two years of actually having a, a Democratic House and Senate. So there's no right. the only possible explanation is that he's just a fraud. But um we have a health care plan. It's the greatest <laughs> health care plan. It's coming next week. In two weeks you'll hear about it. He said that for four something years. to point out. We were, I think, we were ten years old. We were in elementary school when these Republicans were trying to repeal and replace Obamacare. Yeah. And it, it's been over a decade, and they have not come up with a plan. A replacement, yeah. dude. I'm like, I'm all for it if they can find a way to make it make sense. Make it make sense that a person with a heart condition needs to also be bankrupt. Make it make sense, and then I'll I'll stand by it. Whatever. I'm not pushing some kind of socialist <laughs> agenda or whatever. I just think that you know, uh, I don't think you need to choose between living or going broke. <laughs> like, hey, hey, that's communism. Yeah, Are dude, that's sure? communism, man. That's communism. <laughs> you. You fucking socialist, how dare you want people to survive? <laughs> what? Bro, hey, look, what do you if, want? They, if people think they can just get medicine whenever they need, then they'll ask for like higher pay for their job. What's next? Homes for everyone? Yes. No. Hey, dude, hate to say it, but it costs more to have homeless people than to build them homes. There's a whole study on it. I wish I had the article to quote because uh, I don't want to just... I don't want to continue to talk about something that I don't, I'm not super informed yeah. on, but there's a, uh, a place in Canada that is now creating housing for homeless people because it costs more as far as like um, prison reform and, and things like that, like, like other things that cost like to incarcerate like them that. and stuff like that and policing neighborhoods and stuff. It was cheaper to just give them a place to live. I've been uh, looking more into the economic sphere of things. And, you know, I'm not like an expert by any stretch of the imagination. All I know is that we are... We're a lot richer than a lot of the countries that already have universal health care. Yeah, um, and they're like, dude, the taxes, the taxes are going to go up. Dude, okay. Okay. And the, the thing about that is having higher taxes doesn't actually mean that you're going to have less money. Yeah, it, it means you're going to have higher taxes because we actually spend more health care than anyone else in the developed world, I think. I'm pretty sure. My insurance is a nightmare. It costs so much. My medical insurance is just not like I'm not. I'm not looking forward to having to actually... Uh, know about insurance I, I got about five more years but right ah uh, dude and they're trying to repeal that to where you can't be on your parents insurance until they're 26 like they're they're trying to get that get rid of oh my god i'm gonna <laughs> did you like <laughs> i gotta get a just, job it's just things I that actually... i i get it a lot of the i want to say I'm, I'm a moderate i'm very moderate in a lot of my feelings towards a lot of economic issues i just think that the whole 
the whole narrative of we work real hard for what we got. Hell yes. A lot of you did. A lot of you hustled and grinded and you had sleepless nights and you got broken up with over grinding your work to get the bag. You got to know that there's somebody in an impoverished neighborhood that did probably 10 times as much work as you and didn't get there. They're not even a 10th of the way there. They're not even at where you started. Yeah, and so uh, a lot of Americans, um, conservative Americans, when they hear things like privilege or male privilege or white privilege, they think that it means that whatever you've done, it's just been handed to you, which is, it's been yeah, a complete no, easy journey, dude, dude, but that's the, not at all the case. It as just far means as that poverty is concerned, advantages. yeah, it's trends and factors, yeah. right? As far as poverty is concerned, white people are more impoverished than black people. Statistically. Yeah, they have higher numbers. But, they have um, higher numbers, yeah. yeah um, but but uh, I think the, the uh, percentage is higher for uh, the, the black community, but there are more right. Well, it's because there are more white people. Yeah. And um, it's just like, you know, they get – people get so upset. I don't, I'm, I'm not going to say they. There, there are a lot of people who get so upset at the conversation of white privilege and what you have over what I have. And um, it becomes a very combative discussion right and that was a lot of what trump's administration was it was division and in combat you know it was and play on all the ignorances and all right the dude i mean I, you, you see clips of uh of you know john mccain running against barack obama where some woman says i don't trust obama he's an arab and he goes no 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 no. he's a good family man who's just a good person who i just disagree with on some fundamental issues but he's a good man takes the mic away from her and then you have this one, this this current administration where it's, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter, uh, and then they start chanting, "Fire Dr. Fauci," and he just makes faces like, oh, "Maybe we will." So the, you're, just um, saying next administration, and that's not even like your, a um, hyperbolated statement that happened. Yeah. Do your listeners know that you live in Alabama? Yeah, most of them do because most of them okay, live here too. So, <laughs> Dude, no. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, but like, so for the folks that don't know uh, about Alabama politics. Uh, we have recently elected a football coach. A football coach. <laughs> and I could probably get in trouble for saying this. Also one of the most corrupt brokers in Alabama. Lots of people in real estate do slightly illegal things down here. Like everyone's like, it's just part of the process at this point to, to do something that is relatively virtuous. Thankfully, Newman Realty doesn't do any of that kind of stuff. But um, like fucking Tommy Tuberville, whatever the hell his name is, and I don't give a shit. He is one of the worst. He's just like a pure corrupt individual. Keep was a mouth fucking, shut about that. Dude, he's a fucking football coach. <laughs> he wasn't even yeah. a good football coach, right? Was it well, Auburn wasn't doing great under him? Were I don't they? remember. I don't And I don't know. Patrick Thomas just pops about, up right now and yells at <laughs> Tommy Tuberville's a great governor and whatever. Or senator. The thing about um about Tommy Tupperville is if you look at his commercials and you you'll you'll see like, oh, Doug Jones supports open borders. He's with the socialists. And they'll have uh, a, a graphic or like a, a video clip of people climbing over the wall to right? get into the country. So let's build a wall. Why are you? My, my thinking <laughs> is, why would you show people climbing over the wall if you're trying to get people to support building a wall? And Alabama doesn't even share a border with Mexico, I don't believe. So it doesn't. And know. and it is. It's about a lot of Southern politics. politics is essentially feeding off xenophobia, right? It's what's against Muslims. What is a conservative Christian value? And that's our demographic. And that's what we push for. And that's how we get more power. And to each their own with their belief systems, what you think about abortion or what you think about that. I think that not only do you have, you have a right to an opinion on that, right? But you have a right to an opinion within your own religions too. Like I know that 
um, Islamically speaking, uh, my sister and I had a conversation because she's still Muslim. And uh, I think Islam is pretty, it's, it's pretty clear that it is pro-life on some level, but she is a pro-choice voter because it is uh, statistically better for pro-life. Statistically, there are less abortions and there are less problems when you are in a situation where women's health care is well-funded, you know, where you have proper education and proper access to contraception and, you know, um, not what we currently have, where girls have to go to a bathroom for uh, just the most common hygiene error, their period, whatever, right? Like if I take a poop and, you know, I got to pay $10 to wipe my butt at a gas station, it's kind of messed up. So the fact that tampons and pads or whatever, like, like they cost as much as they do and i'm not saying obviously buy toilet paper for your house buy tampons and pads for your house but in public places the fact that they have like this little thing for you to buy to do, to then go do that it's like in the men in the men's room there's condoms like you, you put in you you pay whatever to get a condom out Wait, and really? in the women's room there's yeah in a gas station it's like almost a common oh. like that's where they sell it which is i've crazy. never seen that before yeah dude I mean, it's not like I've ever had to buy it, but uh, dude, yeah. it's just this <laughs> super weird thing. And then it's just like uh, pads and and tampons are not like optional. For him. You know, no. it's not it's not something bougie and fancy. That is hygiene. That is, you know, that is wiping your ass. It's like fifty percent of the population. They got to pay like a pink this. tax on it and everything. And I think the pink tax also refers to some uh, products that are marketed toward women. That are basically right? the same thing. Dude, it's literally like, like a pink razor. It's the yeah. same razor. It's the but same it's pink. thing. Um, and women, I'm not trying to, to get into a feminist argument here. Women are better than men. Like, <laughs> I don't, I'm not trying to push that narrative. Say, look, I saw it triggered your Alabama blood, but women right. make this place, man. We're just living in it. I'm not going to pull that ridiculous argument of, um, where did you come from? A woman. That's why I'm no, no, no. But it's just the fact that it's like the divine feminine energy, man. It brings the world balance, bro. I just, uh, I, it is. It is so far beyond me that um, in 2020, women are still not paid the same as men, and they're still taxed unnecessarily, and they're still blamed. They're blamed for things like abortion. They're blamed for being in bad circumstance situations. Men can just walk away. Well. They are. Oh my god, that is that is a whole other can of worms you don't even want to start with me because i'll get so angry about it but like it's ridiculous and then you know talking about alabama politics in general um doug jones ran against a guy named roy moore and uh roy one of roy moore's correspondents went on cnn which is say what you want left propaganda i don't like listening to cnn i think they're kind of stupid half the time they have been very funny it's been like watching snl this week of like every time Donald trump says anything they'll just be like what the fuck is he even they'll just like have a moment it's really great um but they had this interview where um, Roy Moore's correspondent, who is somebody, I can't remember, I wish I knew his name, because he was elected to three terms in Alabama for something. And he's there talking about Roy Moore, and he's saying, well, um, you guys said something about how a Muslim should not be allowed to run for Congress. And he goes, uh, you know, you get sworn in on a Christian Bible, and, you know, I've done it three times. <laughs> and he's like, dude, and oh, then the, I CNN, about. <laughs> the CNN correspondent's like, um, it's, well, no, it's just whatever. Did you know that? It's just whatever religious text applies to you. Uh, and he goes, but I, I did it four times. I was sworn in on a Christian Bible. And he goes, well, yeah, you're a Christian. This might so be a hot if you're a Muslim right or a Jew, uh, you'll do it. Uh, he said a Jewish Bible, he should have said the Torah, whatever, uh, or a Quran, like 
that you just you you get sworn in on whatever religious text abides by you. This might be a hot take, but it just doesn't really surprise me that the people in the most ignorant state, in the most ignorant country, uh, would not only be fine with someone who's an alleged pedophile representing them, but also vote for a football coach over an actual you know career. They don't like career politicians. They um, don't. And and, and I don't have a lot of love for career politicians either. You get you get to the the weeds of it. It is just a power grabbing, money hungry situation. It's like, well, civil servants only make six thousand dollars, dude. You have access to people and resources. You are now a oh. powerful figure. When I was in, uh, I got a chance to go to Boy State um, after high school. Um, so, uh, so but, but uh, we got to got to hear a lot of Alabama politicians talk about like, the process in Washington. And he said something like two thirds or like a third of the time, they're just calling people asking for donations. Rather than actually, uh, like, yeah, you know, passing, passing legislation, legislation. <laughs> dude, it is. It's it's just a, uh, it's a waste of time. I'm I'm yeah. honestly very very excited that for me, as far as my political intrigue is concerned, I think I'm gonna stay well informed. But as far as my outspoken, if you've seen my Twitter feed, I think you guys get a feel for for what I'm about right now. Uh, it's gonna chill out a little bit because I just the main thing for me was that you guys con- like people constantly elect people with questionable moral backgrounds, right? There's no question about Donald Trump's moral background. He is a bad person. By his well, when own... He, when he likes to hold the Bible upside down but after shooting it. Dude, uh, that, that, that was that guy's defense. He goes, our current president swore on a Christian Bible. He goes, yeah, he's a Christian. What What else was he going to do? Like, it's just the funniest conversation. <laughs> and and this guy's like, get like, like, you can see the look on his face like, you can swear on any religious text, not just the holy Christian Bible. How do they think uh, Rashida Tlaib and uh, Ilhan Omar? Uh, oh, got... they don't. They don't. <laughs> oh, <okay>. They don't. <laughs> they don't. Uh, they, I mean, they regularly tell these fucking commendable women, regardless of what you think of their politics, right? Incredible women to make their way into this fucking echo chamber that is men in politics pushing for power and and not making any changes. They are pushed. They are forced for change. And they're women, and it's incredible that they that they've gotten to where they're at. Women of color as well, from women of immigrant color. backgrounds from Palestine and and, uh, and uh, Somalia. The amount of disrespectful things that are said about them all the time, my God, it's beyond me. And it's just, uh, you know, you, you get in the we. It, it's it's problematic, and the issue is is that a lot of people really. They think that we live in a world of snowflakes and they're upset that they can't make the same jokes they used to want to make and whatever. And that they think we're hypersensitive and our generation is on some level, right? We cancel people unnecessarily, but the double-edged sword of that is that, you know, I grew up um, post 9-11, right? I was going to school in 05, 06, right? That's when I was in kindergarten. And um, I can remember, so I was born Usman, last name redacted. Privacy first. I had a different middle name and a different last name. And uh, Usman sounds very close to Osama as far as white people are concerned. Not just white people, people in general. I think there were African-American kids that also bullied me and called me terrorist too. Um, But it was this narrative pushed by the mainstream media at the time and Bush's administration that Muslim people were to blame. And they didn't have enough information on who Muslim people are. So it was every brown person. Every person with a turban who might be Sikh yeah, and believe Sikh, in, yeah. in Hinduism and whatever, which is, could not be further from Islam, you know. Um, and as a kid, you know, six years old, five, six years old, I don't know anything about anything, but I knew that I needed to be worried that people were going to think I was a terrorist. I knew that um, teachers were looking at me 
And they were always looking at me in a different way. And the way they talked about my home life versus them talking about other people's home life was always going to be different. And um, our generation is a force for change in that regard. That um, hopefully my kids, whether they end up being pure brown, half black, half brown, half white, half brown, half Hispanic, like whatever, whatever they may end up being, um, they are going to have half of me in them. So they are going to face some amount of oppression. And I hope that it'll be different. Right? I hope it'll... Um, there's a lot of positives to this current generation. And, and I hope that that's, that's the goal. And you have your career have politicians. You, uh, and, have yeah. you asked any of your relatives what it was like uh, to be like a Muslim or a brown person no. before, uh, uh, before 9-11? No, because my relatives are, uh, in the kindest of words, the least interesting slash competent people to discuss anything with, which is like very disparaging. But um, my aunt and I were talking about me going up to New York and I have some family in New York. I have an uncle there or it's like her cousin or whatever. Mm. And I was like, yeah, I haven't seen him since I was a kid. And she goes, oh, well, be careful. He's super religious. And I used to be Muslim. I, uh, I became a Christian about three years ago. And uh, I was like, oh, man, good thing to know. I have another aunt that lives there or another. Yeah, another aunt that lives in New York. I'll probably stay with her instead. Like, I don't really want to probably won't, won't even risk that. And she goes no, it's fine. Just don't talk about it. I'm like, well, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to fucking outwardly talk about it, but I'm not going to go to a masjid with them. Like I'm not going to go do my five times of salah and prayer. Like that's not my vibe right now. Like I'm not, I'm not Muslim. And uh, she goes, you know, believe what you want to believe, but believe it in your heart. And then I was like, okay, so you better stop telling people you're Muslim and just believe it in your heart. She goes, that's not the same thing. And I was like, Shut the fuck up. I'm like, I just left the conversation. They're like, essentially it is be proud of you for who you are and how you are, but don't be super public about your other stuff. I think they all assume. Don't be too proud. (laughs) I think at the end of the day, everyone, everyone, and I think even our Christian friends assumed that I was going to end up doubling back to being a Muslim, that like I made the change to get the old ex-girlfriend back. I failed at that. And it's like, okay, well, he's just going to become a Muslim again. And I think on some level, I probably thought that early, early on. And then I was just, I'm happy with the decisions I've made and, and how it correlates to the health of my life and my faith and whatever. So yeah, uh, as far as talking to my family about what oppression is like, um, they are a min- they're minorities that are the, racist. The, the reason I asked that was because it's like our entire lives it has been basically post 9-11. Yeah. And uh, we don't really know a world where like Islamophobia wasn't like a driving factor in uh, both sides of the politics in this country. So yeah, and that is super interesting. And I'd love to get the perspective. I think... Uh, Hassan Minaj does a wonderful, has wonderful mm. podcast episodes he's been interviewed in. And then his, um, his whole standup special, uh, my friend showed it to me, like, I think she showed it to me in like November of last year. And uh, it was so crazy to watch this guy talk and essentially just hear my, like, not my life story, right? But a very close perspective, something that I'm not used to relating on that level to people in positions of, of note, note whether they're entertainers or public figures in any capacity. So it was very, very interesting. But I think he's got some really interesting stuff on that, that um, especially in his, in his stand-up act, The Homecoming. Um, That's good stuff. But yeah, no, you know, through uh, Obama's administration, you know, say what you want, it's probably the bloodiest presidency we've ever had. So, you know, not a lot of pros there. He bombed a lot of terrible things and, you know, whatever decisions he made without the approval of Senate or whatever considered war crimes, that is for them to deal with. I'll say that as far as the health of this country, as far as racism is concerned, um, obviously it's never going to go away altogether. I say that. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that our kid generation 
all these the Roy Moores and the Donald Trumps die off, right? They they age well, the, out. The problem is every country has idiots in it, but we give our idiots way too much power. Oh yeah. Uh, relative to their uh, their actual position in society, uh, we we elevate them, we we praise them, we show yeah. them on TV. Uh, guys, this, I don't know if you guys knew, know what QAnon is, but I don't know a ton about it, but I do know that is essentially a cult that worships, they believe that Democrats are part of some kind of satanic, satanic um, terrible kind organization or something basically. like that. Yeah, yeah like satanic power. And take out their adrenochrome so that right. they can... Yeah, so it's super forever. duper insane. And then they also think that <laughs> Donald Trump is the savior. And uh, it's like, oh man, that sounds like some backwater bullshit... Cons- so we voted a couple of them into Senate <laughs> over this last election. There's a couple Isn't of QAnon believers. Have, people have honestly convinced themselves that Donald Trump is some kind of outside the system man. Like no, he's dude, like he can't run the swamp. He literally he swamped ran him. to see if he could win, and then he loved the power, and he's been sucking on like he's been doing that the whole time, and uh, it sucks. It's a people really are way too charitable to him, uh, dude. Like, yeah, we. Uh, there. Yeah, every every gaffe and shit. So, that he, so I think me and you talked about this briefly. That like Trump supporters are smarter than him. <laughs> like in the regards yeah. of of like, well, they're completely being manipulated, so not super intelligent. But just the idea of um, like he he's made the statements over and over. His whole 2016 campaign was built on we're gonna take the Mexicans and and we're gonna get them out of here. You know, they're not bringing their best. They're bringing their rapists and their gang members here, and uh, that's just what he kept saying. And uh, I had we had a mutual friend of ours literally say, "Nah, you're taking that out of context." I'm like, what context, man? I've watched the entire rallies all the way through, uncut, not the CNN cut, not the Fox cut, the whole rally. And he goes, "Nah, he's talking about the M13 gang members." And then I googled it. Donald Trump's never said a single word about an M13 gang. <laughs> I don't think he is, knows what the M13 gang is. <laughs> if he did mean M13, that's not what people heard. Yeah, that's not it, like enough people didn't know anything about N13. Enough people didn't care. All they heard was oh, Mexicans are bad, regardless of you know, like regardless of who is legal or not. People don't know that, and that kind of mentality leads to what happened at the I think it was like a shooting in Walmart in in uh, in Texas a few years back. There's a Walmart shooting in Texas. That sounds like the most Texas thing I've ever heard. Man. I'm not sure where exactly, but like you know. Violence against uh, against Mexicans, violence against brown people in general. It doesn't really matter if he means what he says or not. The fact that he says it and signals and, and gives people enough comfort uh, to feel like they can commit acts of violence against yeah. certain groups of people. And um, and I think and it's that's that empathy. indisputable back as well. Yeah, it so is. You, it's you indisputable. And I think that. that that empathy and that capacity you have, right, is what they are lacking. It's that putting speaking outside of not just yo what you say is one thing what it causes is another you know mm-hmm. if i'm on here and i you know i talk about somebody else's backdoor business dealings right now you know it may never cause a problem for me but if it causes a problem for them like someone hears it and they get in trouble that is like that's on me i can't say well you know i was just talking about it like it doesn't i mean i didn't I wasn't specifically saying they should detain you for it, but I talked about this horrible, bad thing that you did. Um, and I think that that is, that is indicative of what the problem is in this country. And you, I, I, I've gotten to a point where I don't really even like to talk to 
like try to argue politics with folks that discuss oh. or, like support Trump because there's so many layers of stupid that they've yeah. accepted. That you can't you can't really peel it all back in one conversation. It's also like a lack of education, right? I don't know anybody that didn't go get a formal education that has come back and not become a liberal because I think that's different. I think that that mm. they get on this liberal leftist whatever agenda Democrats, but like everyone becomes moderate. If you're not living being a moderate, then I'm confused. Then like you're not taking a moderate. I think at yeah. the very least. I think you get, there's too much information taken to not be a moderate. I think there's too much on both sides that you need to just live in the middle because they're both fucking fools. One is xenophobic racist fools and one are just fucking dumbass idiot morons. Like the DNC has to be the dumbest organization. They have destroyed themselves. They're the, <laughs> they're the reasons that we had four-year Trump. More than Trump's administration, more than Republicans, the Democratic National Convention is the reason that we had and Trump as president. Even the fact that we won, it shouldn't have even been close. Oh it my wasn't God, close, right? but it shouldn't well, have been it wasn't close. close it was. But even, even, even Trump getting you know forty eight percent in some states is appalling, and it is yeah. a and they're already record. blaming like folks like AOC, and they're, they're blaming Bernie Sanders, they're blaming the folks that actually want to do something and not be diet Republicans, basically. Yeah, and we could talk politics all day because it is an incredibly infuriating topic. I think, I think the core of every especially issue, being in this state. Especially being in the state. It sucks that our votes didn't really matter. Yeah. Like we stood in a line for like two hours and yeah. our votes really didn't count for anything. I'm glad we went and voted. But, uh, you know, um, our friends who, one of which, she's so sweet, but um, I don't view her as somebody who is very informed about anything. But they were posting on their story like gifts of Trump and them smiling. I voted like a selfie with like a MAGA hat that was shuffling through four more years whatever and it's like you are so woefully misinformed i'm not even mad at you because i just think you just don't know anything and that's fine um i think it's that's really like, disappointing to hear like about folks that you know because yeah. like you think they know better and and you know, like, you know, like, I, it's like i am a, a minority yeah and like you know who interacts with this guy you know who this guy um, you know, deals with and then refuses to disavow. Yeah. Um, well, no, and then and then you know, uh, man, our our friend who is also a minority, and I think that's the key part. Who's defending Trump and saying that he's saying uh, now he's talking about M thirteen gang members, and he also brought up a point of like Trump has said uh, that he's against white supremacy multiple times. Yeah, he has for sure, he has. But when given the opportunity to do it in front of the whole country. He faulted. It's always he equivocation. Stuttered. It's always like, well, what about uh the what about yeah, Antifa? What about right. and 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 I think that is um I plan to eventually, when I'm mentally stable enough to worry about politics again, rip into Kamala Harris and fucking Joe Biden. Because they were the correct decision for the country when given Donald Trump as the alternative. Mm -hmm. I think that they are the best, they're best suited for the job. No, I think there were several candidates People that were People out. bring up like Kamala Harris and, and Joe Biden like having a racist past and like and like Kamala Harris uh, locking up a lot of black men, or or Joe Biden being against busting as if people don't already know that. Like I know, yeah. I know they're I know they're a bunch of crap, but right, right, I'm still, well, they're still infinitely better than Donald Trump. Yeah, you can't you can't then use that as a, as a jumping off point. Joe Biden has six uh, sexual assault allocations. Donald Trump has twenty six. <laughs> most of them aren't allegations. Most of them have become settlements. And, uh, you know, yeah, and I'm not saying Jeffrey that like, Epstein, who didn't kill him. Right, dude, he's literally publicly friends with Jeffrey Epstein. Like, 
Uh, there's that scene in um, in Home Alone 2 in New York where little Macaulay Culkin is walking through the plaza and he asks Donald Trump like a question or something like that. Like, where do I get to the thing, whatever? And then he points him in the direction. Like Donald Trump is like, looks at him. I was watching that movie with a bunch of people the other day and I was like, at that moment, Donald's like, just calls Epstein. We got a fresh one. <laughs> look at him. He's like the way he like the look in, in his eyes. Is like, what are you doing, Donald? Come on. Uh, but I'm glad that he's going to have his temper tantrum and let them recount. Let them recount every state. I'm okay with that. Let it be done. I'm past it at this point. I'm, I'm less worried about policy and, and trying to figure that part out. Because honestly, it's not a president doesn't affect as much as you think they would affect beyond the mood of the country and the perspectives that are shared. The KKK went from inactive status during Obama's administration to like full throttle Clan rallies, burning crosses, killing Muslims again. Like, like all the above. Marching. Yeah, they went marching again. Dude, they felt proud enough. They, they Like, people who aren't just secret neo-Nazis, bro, they're straight-up Nazis now. Nazis? And, you know, the thing about it was it shouldn't have even gotten that far because people don't like to think critically. <laughs> they yeah, like to think they, they can only be a racist in this country if you're literally a Klan member. You literally say that you want to kill all black people. You oh. can't just be a racist if you're and there, you know, supporting policies that dis- disproportionately affect black people negatively. Exactly. And there's nuance to it, right? You're rarely seeing politicians other than Donald Trump outwardly say legitimately racist sentences without any, like, you don't even have to really interpret a lot of what he says to view it as racist. It's called the Southern strategy. Nixon did it. Uh, Reagan did it. Yeah. They and teach it a lot. It. They teach a lot about it in schools. And, uh, man, our education system has failed us. I think that is what... That is what this election showed me that that the the education system in America needs dramatic we were not top to bottom restructuring. Properly armed for the internet age, we um, weren't. Like, a lot of you know people don't know how to check sources. People don't know how to Just, like uh, fact check anything. And like I am getting a chance to know that now that I'm a history major and I have to like do that for all my assignments basically. But right. it it should be it shouldn't be some niche thing. It should be common knowledge how to you know go about the web wisely. It should be. And it's crazy. It's crazy, crazy, crazy that it's not. And once again, just another, you know, just another cause. Like it it is, um, it's a symptom of the greater problem, right? Mm. It's intolerance and it's wanting to keep things the same. Um, It's loving your country and not being able to say that it needs change, right? That's like being in a marriage where, um, you don't ever talk about your problems and you're like, well, the problems don't exist and I still love them. And it's like, she's going to cheat on you, bro. You're not, you're not having sex with her, man. Like, what are you doing? Like she wants you to have, it should be just mandatory for like every American above like high school level to leave the country at least once in their lives. So they can see that. Yeah. Outside of just a mission trip too. And I think mission trips are important, but I do think a lot of, you know, you got the evangelical Christian Baptists that are here. I'm trying to call them out. You went to a church that is very much that vibe and they go from one, they, they go from one echo chamber to another echo chamber, but in an impoverished neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I also think it's so funny, man, I, I want to leave the, the topic of politics, but uh, there's these TikTokers who talk about how, yo, are, are there any African civilizations that rival the West? And it's like, dude, have you ever heard of imperialization, bro? Like, have you, ever heard you know of why this is like this? You know who mines your re- the resources of these African American countries, whatever. Like, and the best part about that is it's literally not true. There literally were, um, but you know we, we can get into that later. <laughs> we can, and 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 it's just uh, it's it's legitimately astounding that um, it's.
it's 2020 and we're having this discussion. It's 2020 and, you know, a guy could potentially get elected who doesn't believe a Muslim woman should be in office because she can't swear on a Bible. Yeah, this year has taught me that time is pretty meaningless. The next year, like, it's just, it's just an illusion. People Dude, are just going to talk for the entirety mind. of time. This year has been <laughs> just like one of the most just what even, what even is this? Like the start, so day one, 2020, got a concussion. Do you remember when I fell off my longboard, broke my phone, and got a concussion? That was this year. That was this year, though. That was January 1st of this year. And uh, not to get in the weeds of my health, but the amount of things that have happened since then. Man, I had COVID. That was a couple months ago now and all that. Uh, My ribs are cracked right now, which is a whole other issue. And it's just like, I can't stand this year. This year's been (laughs) so much for me. But it's been a lot of, uh, have you had a lot of growth this year? I will say my growth this year has been unrivaled because I've also been torn down to a scary degree, but Mm. because I've been torn down, I've been able to build a stronger foundation for who I am and who I need to be. Have you had any, any big growth? Um, Well, my growth this year has been realizing a lot of things about myself. So I've been, I've thought of myself as kind of reclusive, like liking being inside, being by myself. But now this year comes around and I have to do that all the time. I'm not even allowed to, to do anything different. It's like, well, wait a minute. Maybe I'm not like as, as reclusive as I, as I think. Maybe I actually need to you know, get out and stuff when this is over and start you know, being an adult and interacting with people more. And like I do that already, but like not nearly as much as I, I need to. Well, we um, can bring this up and you're not, hopefully you don't get offended by it because we've talked about this before. And I asked, I asked him before and we can talk about this on the podcast. Mm-hmm. You're 21. Uh, oh, no, you're not 21, right? Are you 21? I'm 21. Yeah. You're 21. Thank God. Okay, cool, cool, cool. You're 21. Makes it and, worse. Uh, <laughs> you haven't had a girlfriend yet. You haven't dated yet, which there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with that. I'm, I'm 22 and I've had one girlfriend. I've dated a bunch of girls, but like we're talking about like going on one date and then never talking to them ever again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that kind of dating. Um that makes me sound like a really scumbag person. I don't do anything inappropriate with those girls either. I'm just like, oh, this isn't for me, and I don't want to yeah. do this, and I'm going to go play Fortnite now. Uh, Casual. Yeah. In, in, uh, the, in the clean, uh, wholesome way. Yeah, dude, in the most wholesome way. 22-year-old virgin. He's got two thumbs and is a virgin. <laughs> thumbs up, Isaiah. Um, look, uh, but yeah, uh, that has always been really interesting to me um, on your perspective because I think that you are a mirror of what I may have ended up being had I not dated the one person I did. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting to like to see the, the other end of it. Cause I mean, we were relatively the same person. I think I was a little bit more forceful with trying to become outgoing, but I was probably more like you. And you're more willing to kind of just do stuff that you wanted to do, like doing, like pursuing the YouTube stuff, even though people were, weren't taking it seriously for a while. Everybody made fun of me. They still do. dude. <laughs> I, I do a podcast to like 12 listeners, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and, and there's that. And, and that came with the territory of, oh, this is such a fun conversation that we get to talk about publicly now. That mm-hmm. um, So me and Isaiah, we've known each other since we were in preschool. There was a gap. We met again in sixth grade. I was in choir with Isaiah and uh, we were friends. We were in the same friend group. I think we got along pretty well at first. And then Isaiah slowly but surely got incredibly exhausted with who I was as a person. (laughs) We had our moments, dude. I can think back to some like really nice little moments that me and you in like Missouri and stuff like that. Like we were still tight. Yeah. Hanging around in like the show choir stuff. You in sixth grade though, you were just like, we took gym class together. You were like, you're such a try hard. Can we talk about the athletic potential of us and Kader in the sixth grade? (laughs) 
that man was going places that I did not. He was writing checks that adult Austin did not cash, bro. I was like, good grief, who is this guy? I just wanted to, to fit in with the white kids or just the mm-hmm. kids because I think being white and black was more beneficial than being brown because there was there were other black kids. There were not other yeah. brown kids. And the other brown kids that were there, there weren't this community where you feel almost safe and you feel represented and you feel like the camaraderie, I guess. Like it was literally just me and me trying my best to be white, essentially, for the longest time. I honestly can kind of relate to that. Um, just kind of feeling like you don't really belong to any kind of specific group. So you just want to be normal. Yeah, normal, normal right? And what the fuck does normal yeah. mean? You get it in your head that normal is... Uh, a Christian white kid in a youth group who plays football, maybe runs track and plays Call of Duty every day. But like, I liked Halo better. <laughs> and I got a lot of shit for that for the longest time. And there there were just things that I tried. I tried for so long and it wasn't until, it honestly wasn't until probably junior, senior year that um, I started the journey of kind of accepting who I am and then I backpedaled and I lost it like I, I, I lost progress on the accepting my race and then like I tried to assimilate again but it was like assimilating but as a new person like being happier with who I was as a person but not necessarily accepting yeah. myself and it wasn't until this last year that I've really done that it's always kind of on a gradient because sometimes I'll be like yeah I'm I'm the I'm the stuff yeah but then it's like wait a minute no you're, you're awful you're the you worst suck. you know what's you're gonna ugly. be scary I'm I'm terrified of the inevitable time period where I look back at something I did say like a couple months ago and it feels right. Cause like for me right now, every decision that I make, not that I'm, I'm an idiot or anything, but like I learn more and then I can look back on everything that I've done in this whole last year and been like, yo, what the fuck? bro? <laughs> Come on, Hudson. What are you doing, man? Chill out. Stop, 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 bro. You didn't say that. You did not just do that. And um, I've always been like that. Like I've never been, because I think that um, a lot of people here in the South are pouring concrete and they're getting cemented in who they are as a person at 18 and 19. And uh, dude, I have not even attempted to pour concrete on my foundation. I'm still building. You know, I think pouring the concrete and cementing that is going to come way later because I'm constantly learning. So when, uh, so me and you were friends, we had several good moments in middle school, but I think you, I think we were friends. I think we were genuine friends in middle school, but there was an air of like, I don't love love Hudson, and I think everybody kind of felt that. Everyone liked me, but no one. I didn't have. I had acquaintances in middle school. No one was like we were. We were close for like for like people that I would be close with. Right, uh, and then for me, you were super close to me because I didn't. I wasn't close to anybody either. <laughs> I didn't hang out with anybody outside of school except for like show choir stuff. Right. Like my parents were always super concerned. I was like, "What do you mean? Why, why don't? Why am I hanging? Like, I can't. What do you, what do you mean? I can just can't just that go is, up somewhere and be like, hey, can like, can you come over? What is, what's that?'" Dude, parents, my parents were crazy about that. I could never have people over because it'd just be this big situation where the whole house needs to be clean. And it's like, dude, I go to like my white friend's <laughs> house. I go to fucking James Patterson's house, and it is the dirtiest, nastiest, crustiest, dustiest <laughs> mess. And I don't like think anything of it. I never think less of him for it. I, it doesn't even cross my mind until my mom brings up your house needs to be perfect and speak. It wasn't. Until senior an ordeal when people come it over. wasn't until after we graduated. You remember like the amount of house parties I started having, which sounds once again like I'm a crazy person. House parties for Hassan are very different than what you think <laughs> when you hear house parties. But yeah, uh, but your house is always immaculate. But you know, I, I never stepped on the rug except right. when I did. Right, right, and 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 it was just it was always clean. But yeah, there's a 
there's this meme going around on TikTok right now where some guy did a video where he goes, I ain't never seen two pretty best friends. It's always one of them. Gotta be ugly. And they're like variations of that. And there's a brown guy who said, I ain't never have fun two days in a row. It's always one of them. I got to stay home because that's what would happen. I would hang out with a friend, like I'd play outside. The next day, I'd have my homework done. I'd be all ready and be like, mom, can I go outside? She goes, you played yesterday. What? Why is there like a ceiling on the amount of fun I'm allowed to have? That's so stupid. And, uh, you got to suffer a little bit. Yeah, that, that, that was like the dumbest thing ever, but it was very ingrained in, in culture. But yeah, in middle school, dude, like my, my mosque and my, my, my relationship with growing up Muslim, you know, there were, there were parts that I really enjoyed and there's some lifelong friends that I've made through it, but um, it wasn't the same vibe as like a youth group at a church and it wasn't the same like camaraderie and community and the vibes just weren't there. So like I, there was never a youth group, like there was never my close knit group of church friends and I was never allowed to play sports too. Um, my mom was, she only had one son and she would constantly say that I just don't want you to get hurt, whatever. And that left me very socially inept. And I filled in the gaps as best as I could in sixth grade by watching excessive amounts of TV shows, like how I met your mother. And I just became mini versions of characters essentially. Um, but still lacking very general knowledge skills, right? Still being a little bit on the, the spectrum of autism. I want to say of like, of, of social understandings and, and how I function for sure. And it's a spectrum. All of us are on it somewhere. Right. And I think I was further yeah. on it. And I think not that you can learn how to not be autistic. Right. I think that um, my social skills were, were on par with that of an autistic kid for a very long you time. Can, you can learn how to, how to perform. Um, yeah. Right. Right. And, and, and for me, it's not learn. It's like I actually had the capacity to recognize feelings more than autistic, not just recognizing um, I have empathy. Right. And not mm. that autistic people don't have empathy, but it's, it's tough to communicate emotions when you have autism. And it's tough to understand how people feel like, oh, you were mad today and I don't understand why you were mad. And it's not a reason to be mad and you just kind of brush off. They're two very good shows. One's called Atypical on Netflix and there's a show called The Good Doctor. And I think both of them are incredible at explaining the experience of uh, a person who is an atypical person's brain versus us who are neurotypical. But yeah, that definitely informed a lot of who I was and how I acted for a really long time. So when we circled back, right, junior, senior, I rejoined choir. So me and you were around each other again for the first time. And, uh, you know, I fell back into the same boys that were my, my boys in middle school. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to get to have all these friends again. And I was really pushing myself on them. And I was really, really annoying. Um, and, and the annoyingness came from bad home life and trying my best to just be normal, right? And uh, it was, we, got, we all got tired of me, you know? And, and the, the, the sad part was, the saddest part about all of it was that I was probably the most tired of me because I'd spent all this time trying to learn how to be normal and I'd essentially created a persona that I didn't even like, but it was just like, I got to be a sarcastic asshole and I got to be super clean. I got to be the center of attention and I got to be the funniest guy in the room without actually being naturally funny, you know? Uh, and I definitely relate to that. Just, um, <laughs> you were around me in high school, so you you, yeah. you know I wasn't too much better. Isaiah than you. made a religion wife, man. <laughs> we don't have to talk about that. But uh, at one point, he just came to me freshman year, and he, he had crafted a whole religion just so he could be really edgy and be like, "See that? I can do it. Anyone can do it. God's not real." And it was so, so funny. It's so funny, dude. The mind, bro. I still remember that. I still no wonder the people that I was sitting with did like didn't want everyone hang out with me because I was like, anytime (laughs) I did open my mouth, I was just the worst person in the world, dude. I I can relate, right? Literally, (laughs) like, I think by the tail end of junior year, I'd started to start doing the qualities that I wanted to be, but I still had all the things that I didn't want to be in me. 
So people did start liking me. Like I got voted into SEO. I got, I got voted into so many organizations. So when senior year kicked off, uh, I was still living with that persona. And then you and our boy Noah just decided, Hey, Hudson, go fuck yourself. We don't want to be friends with you anymore, dude. <laughs> Noah wrote me this, this ginormous paragraph, which um, I had the audacity to post on my spam account for everyone to read. And he goes, look, man, you're just overstepping your boundaries. And I just don't want you in my, my life anymore. You know, and you had done that too, but you did it silently. You didn't say a word to me. And then you stopped talking to me altogether. It's <laughs> just so funny and so fucked up. <laughs> like, in my mind, I was like, I'm annoyed with him. Why can't I just, why do I have to do anything? Why can't I just not, can I just like not talk to him and just have that be the end of the story? Right. And, and then like, Noah, like, dude, Noah wrote me this whole paragraph. And I remember one of the funnier moments of that whole fight situation was, uh, you know, we had the choir office, right? We had the choir room and then the office. And Miss Slay was always in the office. And we'd go hang out there after school. Me and Noah would have sixth period together. And then seventh period, we'd be off. Um, or I think maybe we hit sixth period, we were off. Maybe we were done fifth. I don't really remember. But, um, you know, one day I just I walked in there. And he was in the room and Miss Slay had just, like, walked out or something like that. And it was the first, it was the first time I talked to him after that. And I was just, like, explaining myself and, like, kind of, like, articulating how upset I was about all that and whatever. And Miss Slay, like, walks in on the room. And she goes, Oh my God. And she just turns out like, not that I knew I was yelling, but she goes, okay. Like she left her own <laughs> office to leave us in there because she thought it was such a big situation, which in retrospect, it's because I posted on my spam account. So everyone was talking about it. <laughs> like everyone from the, the SEO people hated Noah after that. Like they didn't like it, man. <laughs> um, Cause most people in general liked me, which was so, it, which is such a, a different thing than it was. Before. Yeah, like, there was like a whole other group of people that were like really down for you. Yeah. No, 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 no. Everyone was down for me. You guys look like the villains in that situation. It was incredible. <laughs> like you, you could not have been more mustache twirly assholes. I was like, holy shit, this guy's manipulating everybody. Right, but in retrospect, <laughs> which would we call that manipulation? I don't know what. I don't even know what to call it. You just had you had a you had folks on your side already. I did. I think I, I just didn't realize how many people were in my corner. But that was a catalyst. That was a big important moment for me, uh, for a couple reasons. Right, one. Uh, you know, people like, oh, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to reinvent myself. Dude, I just woke up one day and I came to school and I was a different person. <laughs> like I just completely changed my character traits and, and how I acted. I started being the kind of person I wanted to be. I made new friends, one of them being Zoe. I love her to death. Like one of my favorite people on the planet. And in doing so, I got introduced to the whole grade below us. Um, and they kind of became my central friend group, right? Like I had SEO. I had like my kind of popular, for lack of a better word, group that I was a part of. And then I had the grade below. So I was no longer concerned with you guys. Not that we weren't friends anymore. I think that over time, all of us just became friends again. Like there was never a conversation to reestablish the connection or anything. Like it just naturally, organically became the way it needed to be because I became the person I needed to be. And then I lived my absolute best life for six months. And then we had whatever <laughs> happened since. But that, that time period was... Yeah, you used to make fun of me, me saying organically. Yeah, what does that even mean organically? In fairness, Isaiah, what the fuck did it mean, bro? Like, what did it mean for us? Because organically, with people that you've known for 10 years, by like, just, what do I do? Do I just fucking stand by myself? It organically meant that I moved away from you guys because I had other people. And then, because and then we were still tangled. Anyway. Yeah, because yeah, we were still on the same groups of people. And like, I'm friends with the grade below. Noah starts dating someone in the grade below. I start dating someone in the grade below. Chris starts dating someone in the grade below. And then they're just you. Who's not doing any of that, but uh, <laughs> easily the healthiest of the three of us, though. <laughs> like, easily the person with the least baggage. Um, but yeah, uh, it was super interesting because that gave me such a like 
such a strange view of myself because I stopped viewing myself as a country person. To this day, I am a person that is always in flux, that is always growing, that is always changing, that is ever evolving, right? Um, I think I used to say like Hudson 1.0, Hudson 2.0. I think we got into the 7.0s before I was like, maybe I should stop. But um, it's, it is so, so interesting. But our friendship like through that pathway. And then I think we got, we got a lot closer after we graduated too. Like over time, it wasn't immediate either. Like it, it wasn't till after your second semester at Bama, I think, or your second year at Bama that we really hit our stride and became like very close. Yeah. Man, I, you know, I enjoy that I have really, really good friends, but sometimes I wonder if it's, you know, our friendship or if I'm just using people as a crutch because sometimes I feel like I haven't really done much to reach out and try to like broaden my horizons. Uh, at least like, but you know, I think about that. Then I realized like no one else really has except for you pretty much. That is like, actually like, like put a lot of effort into having a whole other group of people. Which dude, that had its benefits and that had its pros and cons, right? Like, mm -hmm that led itself to being a really important part of for my original growth. And then it held me back more recently, you know, then it, it stopped my growth. Um, you, I think you, know, you, you live vicariously through people a lot. Yeah. And I do that too, on a different level. Like if you, you say that I had no, no baggage, uh, which is kind of true, but like at the same time, it's like, is that really a good thing? Yeah. Cause like I had no baggage because I was a weird inept like socially inept person that didn't want to talk to anyone. Um, so it, it turns out like when you don't talk to anyone, no one talks to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love friends to begin with. It's crazy how that works out though. If <laughs> you don't talk to yeah. anybody, nobody talks to you. <laughs> I, uh, weird. I definitely, at, I learned that lesson in 2018. There's this brief period where I literally stopped speaking to everyone just because I was like, who's going to reach out? And then no one did it. It like pushed me to like one of the worst depressions. It's shit, yeah, like well, you know, the, the movies no. kind of make it seem like people are going to be like, hey, who's this person? But let's make him feel comfortable and be a part of the fold. And that happens. Yeah. But, you know, you have to be active in, in actually forging those relationships. You can't just be passive. Yeah, like, no, I mean, so so Connor, you know, Connor, guys, Connor's going to be on the podcast eventually. Incredible mus musician. Go uh, look up Connor Shaddix on Spotify, not Spotify yet, on TikTok and Instagram. He's got a great music account. He just wrote a song called um, Back to Knoxville, and it's incredible. But um, he's a really close friend of mine and he, uh, I've taken him to so much stuff with me, you know, like he's been coming with me to my, my Christmas parties and going with me to parties in Auburn and seeing friends and meeting people. And he, he's known some of these people longer than me because he went to my church before I did, but he doesn't feel like he's friends with them sometimes. And I'm like, well, Connor, if you don't fucking call them outside of me, you're not friends with them, but you can mm -hmm. do that. You just, you have to do that. Right. Like he loves hanging out with Zoe, him and Zoe get along great, but he like needs me. I'm like, Dude, call Zoe. Zoe would love like, to talk to you. Like, literally just do it. Like an, yeah. uh, a new girl. <laughs> Basically. But, um, you know, that's such an interesting conversation, right? It is your lack of bad. So me and my sister had a really interesting conversation about marriage. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's, she's Muslim and she's incredibly devout. And she's going to do marriage in the Islamic way, which is a lot of like formal introductories and almost kind of an engagement sort of thing to then get to know each other and like kind of date, but it's not even really dating. It's far more structured and then you find out your compatibility and then you become life partners so it's like, it's like a match made kind of deal kind like of like that but it's different like you could pick a person that you meet or whatever and, and it's not arranged in the sense like the back home style oh yeah sankar g just put 
uh, Rajesh out of the the Kutrapali River, and he's going to marry, uh, you know, Shiva, and it's like, dude, they don't have anything in common. But our family is very good. They like, like, no, shut up, stop. Shut up. I've heard it. I've heard it described like like arranged marriages. Like you can have it arranged, but not forced. Yeah, yeah. And so like the the arranged forced marriage is this very back home backwards thing that is still an issue. Um, but I I think that that is not an issue for. Um, that is not an issue with what my sister is talking about, but she was talking about how I have dated, right? And and I've, I've been in a relationship with one person and it has very much colored how I see all relationships and all people. And um, there's damage there, right? There is that, uh, the, the pain or whatever, the heartache that, that lives there. And um, there's a part of me that, you know, functionally, I know that eventually it's going to go away or diminish and be really small and I don't have to worry about it. And like, I'll, you know, meet somebody else or, or be happy, whatever. And then there's a part of me that like, but that exists now. That is something that I'm always going to have, like that, that I've experienced it now. And then my sister's like, well, if you never experienced something like that, then like, would you really ever have problems? And then that's a fair discussion. Right? I'm like, you could have different problems, right? You could have problems because, you know, you haven't gotten to date each other. You haven't gotten to know each other. You haven't gotten to watch each other grow over the years. Um, so that is always such an interesting discussion because it's like, they're both valid, right? Like I know what I need in a partner and I know what is lacking for me and what was lacking for me in my last partner uh, and stuff like that, that like um, I'm very aware of that. So when I am in a situation where I'm meeting somebody new and I'm trying to figure it out or I'm judging somebody old and trying to figure out if they're the right person, maybe they're different, whatever. It's so, I have so much information to go off of and for her, she won't have to go off it. So maybe the biases won't exist. And mm. it's like, you can't really pick one of the two that, that is the correct way to do things you pick the correct way for you. Cause I mean, like I suffered pretty hard initially for the heartbreak and heartache, man. We all remember hundred bad days made a hundred good stories, I guess, but like shit, it was kind of rough for a minute. Um, and it's had its rougher moments since, and then it's had its amazing moments since and it's had its redeeming moments, but it's also completely colored me as a person. It has, uh, that first relationship completely changed how I both perceive myself and, and who I am as a whole. I'm a lot funnier, which is trauma, but, um, you know, outside of that, that like, um, I've just been able to accept a lot more of who I am by having somebody else that accepted me. It's a very weird thing to say. Um, I come from not great things. My biological father is a terrible person and I don't think my stepdad's much better. I got three cracked ribs and a canceled flight ticket to, to prove that. But, um, you know, one of the most important things in the world to me is that I end up being better. Like I want to be a really great husband a really good father if I end up having kids, which I want on some level. But um, like that has always been my my greatest fear that all that damage is permanent with me and that I won't be good. Like I'll end up repeating the cycle. And uh it was that first first ex that actually she never wrote this letter to me. She wrote this letter to my mom. My mom was just throwing stuff out of her room one day and she goes, Oh, do you want this? And it's and it's like I was never allowed to read this letter. And I got to open it up and I read it. And it's essentially this letter that said, you know, I'm so happy that I've gotten to, to meet him and get to know him. And uh, he, thank you so much for raising him to be the man that he is. And then th this, this is the part that, that gets me every time. He is so good to me. Hearing that, hearing that and, and, and having that, you know, that res like that's something that I need so desperately. I need to know that I'm a good man. I need to know that I'm not repeating the cycles of the men that came before me 
And I need to know that if I love somebody and they're my one and only, that they're, they're saying things like, he is so good to me, that they never feel mistreated or not understood or not loved or something like that. So like, um, that was, I, re I saw that letter very recently. That's why I brought it up. Um, I was cleaning some stuff out and uh, I have a little photo album that has some pictures just from, just from way back in the day. And uh, I kept, I keep all the letters in there and I never look at it and I read it and I just like, that is the biggest, that, that's probably the most important thing uh, to me. I know I had a reason and I was going to circle back, but I completely lost my train of thought. Um, I know we were talking about um... relationships. Okay. You know, I, I know what I was saying. I was going to say, so like um, having that color, my perspective is very important. to me. So you, you know, you could, that you could just not date. Right. And you could hit it out of the park with your, your first, uh, your first significant other. You know, mm -hmm. that said, do you need to experience more? There's a lot of couples that, that I've seen too, that are great and wonderful and perfect for each other. And then they've been together for too long. So they doubt that they are. And then they break up to go try and figure out other stuff. And then through the process yeah. of that, they damage whatever's left and, or they come back together and they're stronger because they've gotten experience with the relationships and they can better value that person. But, uh, I definitely understand the whole living vicariously thing. Like I didn't, I did not have my first kiss and first girlfriend until March of 2017, only three years ago. Hmm. I haven't done any kissing since then either. So like, um, I feel that man, that's tough. It's a, uh, it's weird to see other people. I think watching you guys be in college and me not be has been. Cause it's, it's a lot of that. It's, you know, I come to T-Town and I hang out and I live vicariously through you guys every once in a while, but um, you guys are experiencing a whole, a whole portion of life that I skipped and it's going to color your perspectives and change how you view things. And, and uh, I'm lacking in that too. I think that's an important thing. What do you think you out on like from college? Dude, I just didn't make a, I'm really good at making friends and I have a lot of great friends and I've met a lot of people, but your friend group in college, which I don't think you necessarily have that, Cause you hang out, you live with Noah, who's our friend from high school. And like, you're not super duper social, but you know, our other friends in Auburn, they have brand new friends. They have brand new communities. Uh, one of my friends that goes to school in South Carolina, completely new group of friends, wonderful, wonderful people from all I can tell. And it's people that appreciate them and value them much more than the people down here. And it's like, I kind of wanted that on some mm. level. And you know, I'm not a partier and I'm not a crazy drinker and I'm not like, Let's get fucked up and forget what we're doing here tonight, bro. It's like, that's, that's not me. But, um, you know, getting to live in that environment would have been nice on some level. Right. And, and I'm happy with, you know, what I've accomplished and what, what I've gotten done since then and stuff. But, and you know, that, that's where, um, the COVID-19 kind of comes in. Cause now it's, I feel like there's even more lost time. There's even less of a chance for me to kind of get that while, but while the getting's good. Yeah. Before I have to be an adult and like just work for the rest of my life. Yeah. I think that was really sad for me to hear that a lot of you guys on your senior year lost a whole two semesters essentially of like the end of times, you know, the end of the, the crazy party era and the fun adventuring era and then into normal adulthood, which I've been at for a while. You know, and, and there's a thing too about being a normal adult. If we, if we just acted young, we'd feel that way too. Like the other day I was at, I was in Homewood with Connor. And uh, he was sitting in the car playing a song. And I was like, okay, you're going to get out of this car. You're going to go stand in front of that car 
full of girls, Samford girls or whatever, that are just chilling, eating ice cream. And there's a bunch of people sitting eating ice cream. And you're just going to start singing an original song. You'll start playing the ukulele and singing. And then he was like, okay, I'll do it. And I can't tell you how young I felt in that moment. And then those <laughs> girls like rolled down the window and they're like, oh my God, come here. Let's talk. Oh my God. Are you like a musician? And then they're like talking to me. Wait, you do YouTube? Like it's the dumbest thing ever. Are you a TikToker? Um, and it was a really fun conversation, but I felt so young. It's not that we can't do stuff like that anymore. It's that we don't. Mm. It's that uh, we're forcing ourselves to grow up and to, to not do silly things anymore. But that's that within itself is a silly thing. You know? Yeah. It's always going to be views on that. Um, so for, for the perspective of not dating, is that something that you're going to try harder at, I guess? Or are you just going to, if it comes naturally, it comes naturally. You're not going to like really worry about it. Well, I think when it comes to trying harder, there's because the, the the stupid thing about dating is you can't like come off as if you're trying too hard or trying hard at all. It, it has to seem effortless, even though it's not for anybody. And it's just you know it's <laughs> sometimes it's like I'm like yeah I should I should like try it and then I like I think about like interacting with people. And I'm like, wait, that sucks. That's dumb. I gotta imagine I have not being able to be alone like for for like years at a time. But at the same time, you know, there's a benefit to not being alone because you have like a person. And you and know, and even, even even when you are with a person, sometimes it doesn't even feel like you're with a person. Cause yeah, you're like, Zay, there's a there's a person out there for you that's gonna match your needs. Hmm. Right? Like there's gonna be moments where you need a needy girlfriend, you're going through something, whatever. You want somebody that is just there and glued to you. And then there's mm-hmm. going to be moments where you're like, I just want to hang out on Milo tonight and chill with my cat and not do anything. And there's going to be a person that that has that for you. you know, like that is, at least I'm told that that's how that works. <laughs> that there, there are people to fit the needs that we have because they're people have opposing needs, right? They're the, the opposite, not, not not necessarily opposite the track, but like people who different. Yeah, they're complimentary. That's the right word. Um, mm. uh, there's a lot of things about me that are important to me that I don't necessarily want or need from a spouse. You know, um, Same. and it's like, I honest, dude, like I am a comic book nerd. I'm a super duper freak nerd. And I wouldn't mind having a girlfriend that's seen the Marvel movies, but I don't really want her to like read trade paperbacks with me. <laughs> like I want her to listen to me sometime, listen to me talk about nerdy stuff. And like the first girlfriend I had did that. And they were like so happy for me that I found a comic book stop or a comic book store. I built a comic book wall, but they were never like into it them- themselves. And that was, I liked that, which you is weird. Like understanding of, yeah, uh, dude, I, I want people to celebrate me and understand me, but not be me. I'm, yeah. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. That's, uh, that's so, so interesting about, and it's also, I think it takes time to understand what you need. So I think that's another thing that my sister's going to have to deal with eventually. Like, does she even know what her needs are in the capacity of a relationship? Because yeah. you think you do, but you don't until you've been in one. And even if you've been in one, I don't have a ton of experience to go. I dated a girl for two months. I don't have. I feel like I've been been conscious of that, and I've kind of used it as an excuse to not try stuff. Because like at like I was in high school, I'm like, well, you know, it's pretty late in the game already. I'm gonna be off. I'm not gonna know. I'm not gonna know what to do. I'll just I'll just not. And then that's just repeats itself until I'm fucking 80 years old. Uh, Freaking. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to curse. Dude, you can curse. This is this is a fucking great podcast, and uh, <laughs> Anchor is talk about it later. But they're the sponsor for this week. But um, 
Nice. What do you call it? We can cuss. They don't give a fuck. Um, cool. But yeah, it's uh, it's definitely so weird. You you get in that rut a lot. If I don't go out and do things, and nothing's ever gonna happen. And I, yeah. if I haven't already done it, then I shouldn't do it. I shouldn't try. And like in this last year, of uh, I just hope things get back to normal so I can like join a different club than I am, <laughs> I'm in right now. Uh, you know, because there's still so much time. I'm 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 not. I think of myself as an old man sometimes. I've been thinking of myself as an old man since I was like 10, for whatever reason, <laughs> I don't think that I have any time, but I have so much time. But that's not, not to say that I need to wait, but, you know, it's not something I need to constantly worry about like I do. What is that quote? You can't give your life more time. So give the time that you have more life. Mm. Indeed. But it's really been hard to motivated when you have to be like scared of interacting with people and you have to be inside yeah and that's fair and it sucks that you had your epiphanies right around the moments where all this other stuff is kicking off i had a lot of stuff in the works that felt like it was finally going somewhere work-wise i was supposed to be in that disney plus documentary all that stuff and COVID happened and like i feel like the best story for a lot of people with their COVID uh situations like if unless you actually had a family member that died or you yourself have like had some long-lasting effects for people that didn't actually get it it's just like things they were trying to do that were really important to them couldn't be done anymore because everything had to like be put on hold. And that's such a fucking sucky feeling. Truly. Yeah. Just the knowledge of just like so much. But but that said, I don't think I would have been broken down as bad, um, which I needed to. I needed to hit my breaking point, man. I needed to be damn near suicidal for me to become the person I need to be. And I think I would have skirted along not dealing with you know, constantly dealing with the surface level issues, not digging deep and getting into the trenches to try and Have you seen, figure that stuff out. I don't know if I talked to you about this. Have you seen a, there's an anime called a Neon Genesis Evangelion or Evangelion? I've heard of that for years. I've never Something watched like it. I know it's a classic. It's like, it's kind of exactly like the stuff I needed to hear. It's so, it's so weird to think about because it's like an anime. It's, it's like all, all stupid stuff, but like. Uh, none of it's stupid, but yeah. <laughs> it, gets, it gets like super deep into like, your perception of yourself and like why you like how you view people and what, what you think people think of you. Yeah. And well, it's like my, my therapist and I talked about it recently that their core values, like the core things about you, about what you view and how you perceive the world and that every piece of information you ever hear, you're viewing it through that lens. Right. So I view Hassan as a lazy, un, like a, a lazy, pathetic person who's always going to be alone. So every piece of information that I get, by the way, that's just so crazy. That you could you could possibly think of yourself as lazy because you do more than any of us. So like any anyone in this friend group, you do like more <laughs> in general. I'm overcompensating because you guys are in fucking college. You're gonna have a degree, and I don't have a degree. But um, like that's how I view myself, right? And any information I get, like you literally just saw me. I just made an excuse against that to say, hey, I'm not really that busy. I'm just trying to make any like mm-hmm. that is any information I get that agrees with it. I take that as fact, and then any information that is to the contrary. I dispute it because that is a perspective that I've created about myself. That is a thought process that is, and, and it, it colors everything that you do. Every, every piece of information you receive, which is just so wild. I have body dysmorphia, which is a really weird conversation. I know I talked about it before that I wanted to touch on this because it popped up recently. Um, and that's a really, really weird topic. And it stems from like, so like working out, like motivation to work out. I had, I had two reasons. One, I have a very scary stepfather. And my crack ribs speaks for themselves over this last week that uh, uh, I'm not going to fight the guy, but like, uh, you know, I want to be stronger when I'm taking a fucking beating. 
Um, and like it, uh, it made me want to work out a little bit, right. Get stronger, but not be like super jacked or ripped or anything, uh, like that. And then, um, that, uh, that first girlfriend had, uh, she used to work at the, at, at this gym and before we dated and there was this guy there that was also Brown, also Muslim. And he was just incredibly jacked. His name, well, maybe I shouldn't say his real name. I don't think it matters because I don't even fucking know the guy's last name, but we'll call him Jaffer. I think that works. Sure. Jafar. We'll call him Jafar. We'll go straight Disney movie. Jafar. Now, Jafar is just incredibly ripped. He's just, I think he's Arab, which Arab genetically, I'm not Arab. Genetically speaking, Arabs are far more inclined to have those amazing physicalities. Like, it's just not in my genetics for it. And uh, at some point, before we dated, told me that, like, had a crush on whatever, thought the guy was great. And then while we were dating, at some point, she sent me, like, the screenshot of a Snapchat that one of her friends had sent her. She, like, took a picture of this Jafar guy kissing his bicep. And I think, like, the, the caption said, about to steal your man. And then she sent it to me. She goes, oh, my God, I don't know why I sent it to you. I'm so sorry. And it's like, we're comfortable, so we're talking. And uh, not her fault at all. Not even mad at her. It made me, like, completely dissociate with the actual shape that I'm in versus how I view this because I'm never going to fucking look. I might eventually. Hopefully I'm on a good track to look like that now, but it was so far out of my realm that it made me obsessed with working out to try and achieve that goal, which is just such a weird, weird thing. But it literally made me like look in the mirror and feel less, which is so crazy. And the fact that you've seen me in shape before, right? Like you've seen me like I'm wearing a fucking collared shirt and the way it's hugging the bicep, you know what I mean? Like I've been, in, I've been in really good shape. Um, but the fact that I never feel that way, like you've, you've been kind enough to be like a good friend to be like, Hudson, man, you're, you're looking good, man. Like you've said that. And I just don't believe you because it's like colored <laughs> lenses of how I view the world and how like I'm willing to see stuff, uh, which is just fucking weird. It's just weird. You I holding Milo? You pick up Milo uh, during uh, that? He, he, was, uh, he was coming around. He was trying to jump in my lap, but I think he just, he gave up. Oh, here it comes. Uh, Milo is Isaiah's cat. They got him a couple weeks ago. Isaiah's never had a pet, so it's been a fucking awesome experience to, to have is. Isaiah with a pet. Super cool. Um, oh, hello. that's a good boy. For for all of our audio listeners, he just held up this cute little cat who looks He's like straight-up Chadwick Boseman in the face, man. He looks like the king of Wakanda, T'Challa himself. He's just chilling in my lap now, struggling, but he's, he's getting in here. Good boy, man. I love my fucking cats, man. I love dogs, too. I love dogs so much, but uh, my cat, Cloud, is like my best friend in the world. I think I'm a cat person now, though. Dude, I think I think you're. I think in general you're a pet person. I think there are seldom people who are legitimately just cat people, and the people who are just dog people either had one bad experience with the cat, or they've just been like with the whole narrative of cats are bad. We don't like cats. Like that's just cats don't care about you. Cats don't love yeah, you. Cats don't love you, dude. Cloud is guaranteed either sitting outside of that door or sitting in my bedroom in my bed waiting for me. <laughs> um, just they're they're such wonderful companions. Cats and pets in general. I really want a dog. As soon as I move out, I'm getting a dog. So it's going to be me, Cloud, and the dog because he's the only cat I'm taking with me. Hmm. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to definitely be interesting. I don't see a timer for how long the podcast has been going. Do you have any estimate? Of uh, no idea. Of- All I know is it's 9.19 now. Hmm. So. I think we've been going for around an hour 15, which is ideally where I'd like it. And, and this, obviously, this conversation is still flowing and we could keep going. Um but I did upload an hour and 40 minute podcast with easily the worst retention of any of my podcasts by a ah. scary margin. So, um, on, dude, right. No, honestly, Isaiah, I, this current setup is that I'm the only host, right? This podcast needs to eventually have two hosts. 
I, I think that it needs to be two of us and a guest. And you know you've always been my ideal pick for that, that spot. So, uh, guys, this has been Isaiah Kendrick. He doesn't have social medias to plug, or usually I'd let people plug their social at this point. Not trying to be a public figure right now. Do you have anything you want to plug, honestly? Uh, no, yeah. <laughs> not really. If you go on my Instagram, you look up Isaiah and my followers, he'll come up and you can follow him there. Uh, come on. But uh, all right, guys, we all know it. 100 Bad Days made 100 good stories. I hope you've had an amazing time listening to what has to be one of my favorite episodes, even though we're only three in. And um, I will be seeing you guys real soon. Be safe.